Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, the shark, baby. Has such teeth, dear, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jack. So, welcome everybody to another episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark, and Matt Macklin. It's our second episode of the week because it's pay per view week. We heard from Jerry Eisenberg earlier in the week, and that was that was enormous fun. And Jerry's been covering boxing for seventy years. Just let that sink in. 70 years. And over the course of that time, he's he's been ringside for most of the iconic fights you can think of. Certainly within the period from about 1960 to 2000, that, that, that mere 40-year period. Um, the, the fights of the century, the rumble in the jungle, the thriller in Manila. He was there for all of those. Uh, he knew all the people involved. And talking to him, was uh, it, was, it was an experience that, that you know, not that many people get because... There aren't that many people still left, quite honestly, who've been around for, for that period of time. So we love that. Uh, today, we move it on to the to the modern heavyweight era um, and someone who's heavily involved in, in the main event on Saturday, Derek Tizora against Joseph Parker, because he's leading Joseph Parker's corner. Not something he probably would have anticipated happening um, until just a few weeks ago, really, because that that pairing, that partnership came... Out of the blue, uh, Joseph Parker was still with Kevin Barry when he boxed Junior Far back at the end, back at the end of, of February. So you'll have guessed who uh, who today's guest is. He's uh, making his third appearance on Macklin's Take, which puts him level with Barry Jones. So so he and Barry Jones are kind of our interim gold regular champions. Our super champ, our super champ is still John Pegg because. Uh, John's John's been on four times, um, um, not for a while though. So we probably need to we probably need to do something about that. Andy Lee in the bubble, isolating, bored out of his mind. How are you? I'm delighted for the for the occupation here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm in the bubble, and um, we're saying to Matthew before. I'm not sure how people must do the two weeks you know after returning from flights because um, you'd really miss the fresh air. 
Um, but thankfully, and all going well, we'll be out tomorrow and able to con congregate. But not that we will be doing that. Um, it's always, always, I don't know, always a weird feeling around the fight hotels, isn't it? Because you're likely to bump into your opponent and don't want to give nothing away. You're looking at other teams, seeing what they're up to. You know, it's it's, it's an interesting environment to be in. So, uh, yeah, I'm otherwise I'm doing fine. Uh, the train's been great. Joseph's been great. Yeah, and the quick came around like we didn't know each other eight weeks ago. And uh, here I am leading him into probably, well, it's not the biggest fight of his life. He's had bigger fights, but one of the most important fights, I think, at this time in his career. So how did it... How did it all kind of all kind of happen? Because it was, um, yeah. I mean, when, when when it happened, it was it was pretty surprising. I think I messaged Matt and uh, and said, "Did you know nothing about this?" And he just said, "No, no, I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have the faintest idea about this." So, I mean, him and Kevin Barry seemed fairly, you know, that seemed like a father something kind of going on there. Really, um, you, you would have put money probably on those two staying together for for the rest of his career. So, what, um, yeah, what happened? Not with them, but how how did he come to you? Um, I had been in been in Morecambe for a lot of January and February, um, just training Tyson as we just Tyson. He just wanted me to come over and do some work with him, just to keep it things fresh, and um, I think just give him something to do, really, keep him company, you know? <laughs> and uh, change up his his dynamic there. And we did some training, and off the back of that. I was that was I got home on a Sunday and then a Friday morning he called me and said, Andy, will you train Joseph Parker? And I was like completely out of the blue and um we had I talked about what type of fighter he is, what type of fighter he is. I I'd, I'd always watched him obviously, but uh, from a distance, you know, uh, Joseph Parker never really took great interest in him. So that night I spoke to Joseph and his manager, David Higgins, on over Zoom and a few more Zooms over the weekend and then on the Wednesday. Um, from talking to him on a Friday night and the Wednesday afternoon he landed in Dublin and um, yeah we, we got straight down to work went straight to the gym and um, yeah we've been working <laughs> together every day since so I, think David, of... I think David Higgins is mom is from Newmarket and Fergus and Claire that's not a million miles from you Andy is it? it's funny because uh, yeah he's actually David's not at this flight this time he's expecting his first baby and with the quarantine rules in New Zealand, it's very hard to get back into the country. Then you have to do two weeks in the hotel. So he's going to stay home. But his cousin, who's been to all Joseph's fights, is here from Newmarket on Fergus and it's in the room down the hallway. Yeah. So close connection there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shame David Higgins isn't around because I, I'm a big Higgins fan. Um, big Higgins fan. Uh, and that, that, um, that bubble you've got going on there at the minute with, with, with the Eubanks and the Hattons and, and Chisora and the people like that. There is no bubble or, or situation that cannot be improved, in my opinion, by the presence of David Higgins. Um, so, I should have big how would you describe him? In, how would you describe him in one word, Andy? Unusual, probably. <laughs> Entertaining would be another one. The, the first time, the, the first time I encountered David Higgins was um, it, it was definitely Fantastic. the most. It, it, it was definitely the most unusual. Um, yeah, the most unusual incident I've been involved in in my career. So I was I was chairing the the press conference for Joseph Parker against Huey Fury, uh, which was um, the fight was in Manchester, but the press conference was in in London at the Landmark, I think. And 
so there's a place next to me for David Higgins and I'd never actually met him. Um, so I kind of thought I probably knew what he would look like, but, but, but I'd never seen him in the flesh. And anyway, nobody took, nobody took it. Um, so there was Joseph on my right, Kevin Barry on the far right, um, Mick Hennessy, Huey Fury, Peter Fury, and this empty chair for David Higgins. So it was just, just, just cracked on. We were, we were underway. And then there was a bit of a commotion at the back and the door opened. Um, and these two fellas came kind of like stumbling in, um, you know, a bit tired and emotional, I think would be, would be the way to, to describe it. Shit-faced would be, would be another way to describe it. Um, and I thought, is that David Higgins? I wasn't really sure because I'd never actually seen him before in real life. I thought, I think that's David Higgins. And I thought, is that Franz Boater? <laughs> and it was Franz Boater. And they kind of came towards the front and then started arguing with Peter Fury, which is never a great idea, I don't think. Um, I wouldn't have thought. Um, he told them to to get out and then security kind of bustled them out and it was all over. It was all very surreal. But um, but yeah, he was kind of an instant hit with me after that because he managed to liven up what up until that point had been quite, a, you know, run of the mill press conference and turn it into something completely different. Um, he anyway, always, he, always, he always seems to me like he's taking the piss, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he definitely got yeah i mean that day he sort of uh, yeah I, I think that that's how i would describe what he was up to that day but you know all of these characters um provide their own stitches to the great tapestry that is uh the great embroidery that is that is that is boxing is it different training i know you've worked with tyson obviously is it different training a heavyweight is it a lot different training a heavyweight than it is to training jason quickly or or, or, or paddy donovan uh, i mean i guess it i guess it is is it Joe's a very athletic um, heavyweight. You know, he's not a big uncoordinated like robot. You know, so he can do a lot of things that they can do. The obviously the philosophy stays the same. The, the way you speak to them stays the same. A lot of the technique is the same. Um, but yeah, they are bigger men. They do hit harder. Um, like with Tyson and Joseph, they are very coordinated guys, so they can do things unusual for big men. You know, they can do, they can, you can ask them to do certain moves or certain punches or even like circuits or leg circuits or arm circuits. They can do those things because they're pretty much after, you know what I mean? Whereas somebody like, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to name anyone, but someone who might not be as coordinated or as, or as yes. you know, athletic might not be able to do it, you know? So, no, Joseph's. Just has done everything like the lads do, really. Um, there are a lot of cross, yeah. You, a lot of things say the same in terms of the messages you get, try to get across, but a lot of some things maybe not, maybe not the same volume of punches. That's all, really. Yeah, he's, he's quite athletic, isn't he? Mm, yeah, he's well able, like he's a, he's a he's agile, and uh, so that's that's the main thing. He doesn't have any, like you know, some tall guys they have knee problems, they can't. Can't jump, he can't run, he can't do X, Y, Z, but he can do it all. So, yeah, it's, it's easy to train. Hey, hey, ki- hey, kids. Hey, everybody. Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in hell, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes, it's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it.
Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! So when you take on somebody new, it, it, it's kind of an interesting dynamic that way. You, you've you've spoken to him, and and you know everything's on Zoom at the minute, and it would have been anyway because he's on, you know, he's on he's on the other side of the world. I mean, but but it's always possible that you can kind of you can click with someone as a as a person, um, and then when you get in the gym, it just doesn't really work. You, you hear that from trainers sometimes, and that's true of any walk of life, isn't it? You can you can get on with somebody outside of work, and then when it comes to the office. It just doesn't really happen for some reason. So that first session you had with him, were you a bit kind of was that in your mind at all? That that that, that you know you had a good start, but this this he's come all the way over here, and this this there's no guarantees this will work. Um, I think as long as they're committed and they buy into it, you know. And Joe did that. I think took on board what I what I said, and he tried it. And after a while, he started to see that it worked, or that he was benefiting from it. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't know. You know, Ma- Matthew will tell you, like, boxers, they're like lie detectors. You know, they know who's bullshit and they know who's real and what's, you know, and they know what's going to benefit them or they, if it makes sense to them. You know, sometimes you get a coach and you tell you to do the X, Y, and Z, and you don't, they can't tell you why, they, why you're doing that. It's just that they always, you know, they always do it that way. But if you can tell a fighter why he's doing something and why it will benefit them, then... I think that's a big part of you know them buying into it, and he has been committed. Like you don't get more committed, obviously, flying across the world, leaving everything, your family, and then um, coming to a trainer who he doesn't know. But oh, he's he's bought straight into it, and I I believe he's improved a lot. I believe he's improved a lot. Now, this fight, like it's been a short period of time that we've had to train together, and I know from my own experience that going to a new trainer and learning new things, they take time to embed, you know, to become ingrained or become instinctual. And in this fight, he will be put under pressure. You know, he'll be in the situation, he will be stressed. So he may revert back to his old way of doing things. But at that, he still wasn't a bad fighter, you know. It's not like he's coming in off a loss or anything. He's coming in off of a good win, I think, even though he might have got criticised for the fire loss. I think Junior Farr is a good, he's top 10 heavyweight and would beat a lot of guys and had a good strategy and good game plan for that fight. Another interesting scenario about about this is that Trezor is in the same situation. He's he's got a new trainer. Uh, he's got a new trainer, one that, that Matt knows well, one we might speak to over the course of the next couple of days. So it's yeah, similar situation for both for both fighters. I mean, if you when you've got that short a period of time, um, you're obviously going to point out things that you think need changing but are you kind of wary of trying to change to, to, to kind of wary of trying to be too radical in that in that in that shorter period yeah. of time and what that what can that can do is create doubt in the fighter's mind and make him start thinking you know start feeling down about himself um and so you just try to like i remember when i went with emmanuel after about six months you know someone from home room so oh, is he, what's he doing which is he changed his style and i said he doesn't hasn't changed my style. I think I'm fighting exactly the same as I did. But then when I will look back at that stage, look back at my amateur fights, I look it was completely different, you know? So I think it's it's about tweaking and evolving, but um yeah, just you don't try and change everything because it's such a short period of time. And he's still got a no, he's got a fight soon. So but I would uh, interested, Matthew, you know, from your experience with Buddy, 
what do you think he will add to Chisora? Give us the inside, inside line. <laughs> so, you know, from a style point of view, I wouldn't have put them together. Do you know what I mean? Like, Buddy, very textbook, stylish, everything after jab. You know, Chisora's really a walk you down type of guy, isn't he? Bob and Weave, get inside, work the body. But Buddy's very calm in the corner, you know, very relaxed, reads the fight well. And he's good at talking you through it. I mean, your game plan is your game plan and you're instinctive in there. You have to be able to read the fight yourself, of course. But you come back to the corner, you get a minute. He, he just, he doesn't bombard you. He keeps it simple. But I, I always felt he was very good in the corner. Maybe that was, I found the best part of it was in the corner that he probably brought. Well, I don't think you need Buddy for 10 weeks in a camp or anything like that. I don't, I think he get bored and he doesn't need to be there that long. I just think that he's... Uh, He's very calm, very relaxed, very experienced, reads the fight well. And like I said, I think he's very good in the corner. So I think I think he'll be good from that point of view. I don't think he's gonna change his aura from a style point of view or, or even add anything. I think his aura is what he is, as you're saying there. You know, you got eight weeks with someone, Joseph, and he's sold on everything, he's come over. That's a big commitment to do that. So he obviously believes in you and he's committed to making it work. But even with that, there's only so much you can achieve in eight weeks, isn't there? You know, and like you say, you're going to come under pressure and stress on the night, mate. And he might, you might revert to type or you might keep some of it. So it's um, like you, you, I know you changed trainers. Uh, eventually, you went with Adam Booth. It's, and it takes a while, doesn't it, to, to get into the new way of things. I've tried trainers several times. So, but I always try to be teachable. You know, I did when I went with someone, I, I tried to be sold on what they were teaching me. Otherwise, what was the point? If he's spending the money going over to America, if it wasn't going to be sold on it, do you know what I mean? But even at that, it, it, it still it still takes a, a bit of time. And I, I remember, actually, funnily enough, the first time I trained with Buddy uh, for Euroboy Campus, I was trying new things. I was getting caught between styles a bit. I don't think I won around in sparring, <laughs> because, which wasn't great for my confidence necessarily going into the fight, do you know what I mean? So it's it can be a balance, balancing act. Is is there a point which do you think maybe you go or a fighter gets to where they're they're no longer really teachable or, or they're they're no longer really kind of changeable? Um is always kind of in his late thirties and and what you just said there about Buddy being really good on the night, that that sort of makes sense. Like you look at the fighters he's been in with, um, or he's trained, you know, some big names there, Kovalev. Um, Arturo Gatti, uh, Tava, Paulie, I think. Yeah, Paulie for 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 at least a, a spell. Uh, yourself, of course. Um, <laughs> and but it, it's kind of an old school thing that, in a way, isn't it? it? You look at someone like Angelo Dundee, and people probably said that about him was was that he was great on the night. Um, yeah. last few weeks and great on the night. And and buddy, I listened to the podcast he did with Tris Tris Dixon. Uh, a couple of days ago and that I think he'd probably agree with you actually if you asked him that 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 probably was the main strength for him so is he kind of ideal for someone like Chisora is an incredibly long-winded point I'm making which is that he's not going to try and change too much because maybe you can't change Del Boy at this stage yeah Del, Del Boy is what he is now he's not going to change now the, the longer you're in your you're into your career the harder it, you know it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks isn't it things get ingrained in you and I'm not saying change can't happen but it takes time and you'll probably only achieve so much per fight, you know what I mean? And you'll maybe take a bit more than the next one. The next one, so over a period of time, you can make bigger changes. But 
over a, a month or a six-week period or whatever for one fight, it'd be very difficult, especially where Dalboy is in his career. But that said, I do think he, I do think he'll be a positive addition because of his experience and his calmness and all that sort of stuff, and he's very very good in the corner. So I think I think it's a, a smart move. Um, and I think you're going to see Bellboy boxing on the back foot. You know what I mean? But I think, I think you know, but it, it, it's going to be a hard fight, isn't it? This is going to be a tough fight, which for both men, I think. And having that someone experienced and calm talking you through it, who you respect and trust, that 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 can only be a bonus. What about you, Andy? Do you think there's everybody's different, aren't they? But but do you think there is? Is it the case that you get to a point where all fighters get to a point where they kind of they are what they are and and there's not really that much more you can you can do technically maybe or or physically? I, I don't know. I think I don't know. I just, I think fighters are always looking to learn. You know, I think they're and they're always trying to get an edge and they're always they're thirsty for knowledge. You know, they they want it. They're hungry for it. I think I. I like whether they're physically capable of changing it, you know, uh, the will and you know, uh, having the will to, to to want to change, but also being able to do. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think Buddy might add some a little bit more nuance to like Dave might not be as crude or as you know, might have a little bit maybe even if he adds one or two moves to Derek Jazara about how to close distance a bit better or how to you know, with the way he steps his lead foot. Um, then he'll have an it'll be a positive effect on him, you know. But like Matthew says, there's training a the guy, um, getting him physically fit and teaching him technique. But then there's also being a cornerman, which is a completely different skill as well. And that's what Buddy is very good at, you know. And something um, I, I I believe I'm very good on the technical side, and I'd have to prove myself in the corner yet. So like I, for most of the fighters I've worked with, I've been in the corner of a heavily favoured fighter. And you might say, Joe, it's a heavily favoured fighter this time, but this is a big fight and it might be 50-50, it might be 60-40 for Joseph, but it's, it's still a very close fight. So, And in a big, bigger bigger arena, I guess, in terms of the media and people watching around the world. And in terms of approaching training for this fight with Joseph, obviously you teamed up, he's coming over. I'm guessing that you're thinking, right, eight weeks, we'll work backwards, we'll spar at this point, we'll do this. You, you know what I mean? You're kind of working out how you, what the guideline of the, the, the training regime will be. Obviously, it's very different to someone like Paddy Donovan, who's turning pro, you're teaching him to probably sit down on his shots. You're, you're really kind of, you know, it's like, he's like putting your hands a little bit, isn't he? You can mould him, his style and everything. Obviously, Joseph's already, you know, achieved so much. He's, he's already got things ingrained. What was that like, you know, for your own mental, before you even started training, what, how did, what kind of challenges did you think you were going to face with that? I, I just watched him, watched all these fights, and I, I could see two or three things that I could change straight away that would improve him, you know? And um, that, like I, and I, I know from my own experiences, being around Emmanuel for all those years and being with Adam, um, how to like prepare a camp and how to manage a fighter and, and to make sure he's peaking at the right stage. Like you'll know, Matthew, you'll know maybe your own experiences then from listening and talking to the fighters that how they prepare for fights is never like you'd be surprised. A lot of these big fighters and how they prepare for fights. Like some of it is crazy, the stuff they do you can get up to before fights or 
how they train even and um and like when i showing joseph basic things you know basic things that i would have learned years ago or things that you take for granted and you realize he's never done it before never been shown or how to do it or why he does a certain thing you know it's 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 really like it's surprising you know it's surprising that and and it's credit to him really because he's been world champion without ever having to throw a right hand properly you know <laughs> like really yeah, I mean, yeah one, one thing i always i never one thing i realized when, when i used to go down to crystal palace first there's you know uh young england on the 19s down to the senior thing and most of the stuff that you worked on those squad training sessions were basics but, it was, but in, in terms of doing the basics okay doing them well doing them very well doing them you know as close to perfect as you can get there's big differences then in the performance. It's as simple as that. You know, boxing is a simple sport, really. You know what I mean? But it's 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 doing things. It's getting those basics, getting them done properly. You know, can make a big impact in how you perform. Someone like Joseph, who's already very very good heavy, good fighter, got all that experience, fast hands, good footwork. Well, improved footwork now. But you change one or two small little things about him, and he becomes you know an elite heavyweight all of a sudden. And like in terms of uh, like. I have nothing, nothing to hide. Like the one thing I, the first thing I changed with him was where um, his distribution of his weight and where he's, he was always leaning over the front foot. And that was a very lazy posture to take because he was a lazy fighter and he would switch off. Like, so the first thing I got him to do was to sit more on his back foot. And I know that that will make him more upright, but it's also, it takes him away from his, from the opponent's punches and it makes him work his back leg and have more proficient back legs, like a back leg. But like the best fighters, Matthew, like you said, it's about the simple things right, but also being disciplined in that and being disciplined in your concentration for every second of the round. But the best fighters are just switched on all the time. They don't have any lapses. They don't look for any breaks. They don't look for clinches. They don't look for, you know, I'll do this, do this, and then I'll just walk away and have a little rest. Or, you know, they're always on, switched on, switched on. And that's what we've been working on. Um, how to tra transfer his weight when he punches, to make him more powerful, use his shoulders, um simple simple things but like i said all those things they add up and they make make you what you are make you a good fighter yeah and, and if you're not you that's something you have to do every single day in the gym isn't it every single day when you're on the badge and you shadow box when the meets the pads sparring because you're not going to suddenly do it on the night if you haven't been doing it for the last eight weeks yeah and listen it could be the last eight years he's Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. It's something you just said there, though. Um... And you said it quite matter-of-factly that the top fighters are just always switched on. Some, something I was wondering about recently is how how do you achieve that kind of... This could be a good example of something that I would think about and obsess about and you two just wouldn't because you've done this and I haven't. But how do you go about getting yourself into that kind of mental state where you can be switched on all the time without just nervous energy flooding out of you and you being absolutely done after about three or four rounds because for, for, for a normal person like me 
that suggests that you're you're existing in this state of hypertension all the time if you're switched on in the ring. But that obviously that can't be how it is. Um, I don't know if you answer that. I think it's about control. Boxing is all about control. Controlling your emotions, controlling, controlling yourself. You know, boxing is about control, like internally. It's about being in control of yourself. It's the only thing you can control. And um, it's yeah, it's about focus, being focused on, but not being not being tense. So like, there's a difference between being tense and tight, but I'm being focused and being cool and calm. And, and especially on the fire, you know, to stay cool and calm in those in those situations. Yeah, I mean that's it. Literally, I mean that it's mastering being focused, being switched on, being you know, in concentrated, but at the same time relaxed, where you're not burning up nervous energy. You, you know what I mean? You can't. There's no good relaxing, but being lackadaisical and switching off. Do you know what I mean? Because then you're going to get hit with shots, and you're not going to be sharp. But then there's no good being sharp and switched up with tense and burning loads of energy because you're gonna you're not gonna last it's, it's that's what i mean it's that balance that's what i mean that 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 seems because you see for someone who hasn't done it or hasn't been in that sort of similar situation those two things seem like they're in direct contrast like being relaxed is being relaxed and being switched on is being switched on but you have to be both at the same time and that that was kind of my point it's just that's quite a hard thing to get your head around it is a contradiction but that's the thing it's a bit like you know that scene in oceans 11 where he says you know, don't look him in the eye, but don't look away either. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. He has to remember you and forget you in the in the in, in oh. ten seconds. That was it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing uh. in boxing: you got to be relaxed, but not lackadaisical. Do you know what I mean? You got to be focused, but don't be burning energy. It's it's, and I suppose that's experience. You get over experience, you get comfortable at being uncomfortable, and that's where you're kind of sitting pretty then. So in terms of so something, you, something you said a few minutes ago, Andy, you, you were saying that, you know, you think on the technical side of, of, of the training, um, uh, you rate yourself highly. But, but when it comes to in the corner on the night, you, you can't really give yourself a mark yet because you haven't kind of had that baptism. Um, and that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, when, 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 when the shit is flying in that corner in between rounds, I mean, that what a place to be that must be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by it because you get them sat down and, and you've probably got about 40, 45 seconds. Maybe somebody's in there working on a cut. You're trying to get your message across. It's absolute bedlam, the noise, the heat, everything. It's just so intense. And, you know, when we get to crowds back, you know, I, I love it. I love going into the corners in between rounds when it's really getting, getting interesting. I mean, are you... Are you just kind of trusting that when it happens, you'll know what to do? Or are you a, the kind of person who might like play scenarios out in your head and think about what you would do in, in certain situations? Um, I'll try to be as, yeah, as direct and as calm as possible. Um, that's what I foresee. Or that's what I aim to do. Um, once in my once, well, you know the fight where I fought Craig McEwen and Emmanuel wasn't in my corner because World Cotter was fighting the same night and Emmanuel was training him. Um, and Sugar Hill was in my corner and I was fighting Craig McEwen. The fight wasn't going my way for the middle rounds and I was getting I was getting a rollicking in the corner. I was going to say a bollocking. <laughs> That's what, in the corner from uh, Sugar Hill, and like the fight was just passing me by and it wasn't my it wasn't Sugar Hill's fault. It was just I wasn't there, um, but. Because it was Sugar Hill and he was relatively inexperienced at that stage, Emmanuel got a friend of his called James Strickland, 
um, who was a legendary cutsman, you know, um, one of the most experienced men, been in like a, a lot of world champions' corners, um, to come and do the corner with me. So the fight was over, whatever. I won the fight. And after the fight, um, he called me over and he said to me, Hey, come here. He's, we're so quiet spoken about it. He said, um, You see all that hollering and shouting in the corner? He said, That's no good. He said, When you come back to the corner, that's supposed to be your, your place of peace. You're supposed to get a rest there. You're having enough of a fight in the ring. Never mind when you come back to the corner. So he said, um, just remember that in the future. And that, that always stuck out to me, you know. And I remember, obviously, with Adam, he's very calm in the corner. Gets his point across two or three things. Let you have your rest. And out you go. Because that's that's all you can do, really. Get you, just try and drill home a point. Wanna tell, tell If your fighter's making a mistake, tell him what it is. And tell him what he can do to, to correct it. And then tell him how to go about winning the fight. Yeah, we, we see corners a lot, Matt, and, and sometimes you hear kind of too many voices, you'll hear two voices, which always seems like a complete disaster. Um, sometimes it is quite dramatic um, and they don't, and they're showing what you would, like Andy just said there, you know, it's not peaceful. But other times you feel like there's not enough urgency. It, it's it, it's a real difficult balance to strike, I think, sometimes in certain you know, situations. I mean, I think, you know, if you've had a bad round, let's say you get put down or hurt or whatever, the last thing you need coming back to the corner is panic because you, you, it's only going to panic you even more. You know, if you had a bad round or the fight's slipping away from you, you, you want to you want someone to say, listen, don't worry about that. That, that round's done that. So forget about it. Let's, and, and then you want clear advice. And, and not you don't want to be bombarded with 10 things to do. Like Andy said there, pick one thing. You're doing this wrong. This is what you need to do. You got 60 seconds, you know, in that 60 seconds, you're trying to bring your heart rate down, get your breath back, get a drink. You know what I mean? It, 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 especially if you've had a tough round, you don't want panic going on. And even if you, you'll feel it, you know what I mean? And you, you know, you don't need anyone telling you you had a bad round. You know you had a bad round. You know what I mean? So, you know, you, it, being relaxed is key, I think. And, that, and that's why when I mentioned earlier about Buddy McGurk, what will he bring to the table? Buddy's very relaxed. He's very experienced. He's been at the highest level. He, he's not going to get excited. You know what I mean? He's not going to get... Uh, he's not going to get panicked. No matter what happens in the corner, he will not be panicked. He'll be relaxed. And that, that, that's, that's, I think, being relaxed and uh, calm in the corner is one of the most important things. Of course... If it's a close fight and it's nip and tuck, and you know your, your guy might need a knockout, then you know you need to be told that. But panicking and screaming and shouting and bollocking, I don't. I, I personally myself, I don't. I don't. I don't get that. I don't think it serves any purpose. Do you think this is one of those areas where, having been a, a fighter yourself as a trainer, is really? helpful because it, across all sport really over the last 20 years things have changed a bit actually boxing's kind of boxing's boxing's been ahead of the curve in, in that regard for a while because it's not always been the case that all top trainers were, were top fighters of course we, we 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 know that but when it comes to having a fighter sat down in front of you in the corner and they've had a real hard round the fact that you've sat in that stool and you know what that's like it, it, it do you think the two do you think that's really important that that your fighter knows that you know what they're going through. Um, you know, you, you you could make a strong. A lot, a lot of people would say, "Yeah, you, you do need to know." But then you look at a guy like Angelo Dundee, 
I don't think Angelo Dundee ever boxed yet. He was a great corner man. Very calm, very relaxed. You know? Maybe he'd have been even better, though, if, uh, if, uh, if he'd been a fighter. <laughs> Maybe. What does Andy think? Yeah, Angelo Dundee, great corner man. But uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Muhammad Ali, pretty easy guys, I was I'm sure, you know? Very well, like Pinkland Thomas and those guys, the other guys he trained. How did he do with those, you know? But, yeah, I don't know. I think... It's always. It's, I don't think it's a it's a necessary requirement, but it is. A, it can only benefit, can it? You know, it can only benefit you. And um, to like to know, like Emmanuel used to be in the corner. You don't like he could read your mind, Emmanuel. He could read. He could read the opponent's mind. Like whenever, he, whenever he'd say to me, like, "Go and get him out of there this round." If I just put up, applied a little bit more pressure, I'd win by it. Like I get this, I would get him out of there, you know. Or but even when other people would be screaming outside, like, "You get him, knock him out, dude! Go, oh, he's ready, he's ready!" Oh. And I said, just hold on now, hold on a little bit more. Just keep boxing the way you're boxing and keep keep using your jab and wait one or two rounds. And like it is, it's it's an art form and um it's it's the only thing you can learn by experience though. You know, it's only like it's not like you can't practice for it. You can practice for it in the gym, but it's not the same. You have to be under the lights, you have to be in that situation, you have to be in the pressure cooker. It's the only way to learn. I've done corners, I've done like I've done obviously the lads who I train now. I've done Tyson's corner, but I was a second. And I've been in the corner with Emmanuel numerous times, and Adam do. So, um, I think I, I think I know what to do. I mean, Joseph, I've been talking. Obviously, we've been training. He's been sparring. I've been repeating the same phrases to him for eight weeks now, daily. So, he knows if I say one word, what it means, what it triggers in him, and what what I mean. That there's a shorthand of language there, you know. So that's I'm I'm backing on that. Do you do you feel nervous, Andy? Because this is probably the most pressure situation as a trainer that you've been in today would you say yeah i yeah, definitely yeah i don't feel nervous i'm quite um you know we tr- i i've worked extremely hard myself with him and he's worked extremely hard and after like i've done everything i, I physically impossible and mentally and any other way i can do it i've done all i can so i'm quite happy with that and if he wins this fight it will because of that if he loses the fight it wasn't because we didn't do anything right, you know. Or do do all or anything that I can, you know. Um, like I'm not, I'm not like I don't claim to know all the things that I don't know about. Like you know, I, I, I would ask Tyson, or I would ask Sugar Hill, or things like that, and they they would re re. Uh, what's the word? Like they would, they would like if I'd say, well, what do you think I was thinking about doing this with Joseph? And they would say, yeah, that's the right thing to do, you know. And um. I don't know what, what they, they uh, I can't think of the word of what I'm trying to say now, but reinforce your, what you already know. There you got me, Matthew. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like Manny Stewart. I could read you, man. I could yeah. read you. I was good reading you. I got that. <laughs> so, so I guess as a trainer, it's, it's kind of the, the same as it is with a fighter in a way, in that if you arrive in fight week feeling like you've prepared really well, then is it possible to to relax a bit because you can you know, just think, well, this is this is kind of what will happen will happen now, and you don't have total control over anything once the bell goes. Um, Joseph is a relaxed guy, anyway. You know, he's 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 not. I think you you take care of the like my manager was always take care of the big things, like the small like like take care of the small things like your hydration, your sleep, and X, Y, and Z. When the big things, just let them happen, you know, because there's no point worrying about it really. Um, when he leaves that dressing room, it'll be time to get serious. Time to switch on. 
But up to that point, we'll, just, we'll try and stay as, as relaxed as we can. Um, yeah, I don't like, there's no point. It's only a fight, really. It's only a fight. He's done it plenty of times before. I'm not, like, it's not, I'm like, what am I going to do? Give him some water, give him some instructions, get out there and fight. That's it. Like, no, that's not, that's not, I'm not fucking curing cancer. I'm not doing heart surgery. I've got him ready. He's going to go out there. He's going to win or lose. And that's it. Uh, yeah, I don't know where I don't know where I've seen it, or I can't remember where I heard yeah. it or something. But I remember someone saying, you know, I know whatever fight it was, they're going, you know, this is the biggest fight of your life. This is this, this is that. Really hyping up, and then going, and also it's just another fight. You know what I mean? You're going to go in the ring. It's just another fight as well. You've got two arms, two legs. It's a fight you've trained for. You know what I mean? All you got to do is execute everything you've been doing, and you're going to win the fight. You know what I mean? And it, and it, it's, it's back to that. <laughs> Be relaxed, but don't be laxadaisical, isn't it? It's, it's a big fight, but it's just another fight as well. Well, he's, he's taking care of all the small things, so, you know, hopefully he'll have a good result, really. Um, but it is really, like, you know, the thing is, because it's a fight, it's on TV, and I've said this before, it's in a ring and there's lights and there's music and everything. You tend to put on this pedestal, but it's no different from what happens in the gym. It's not actually, no, they're no different. It's like they've got, they got small gloves on, they might punch a little bit faster because of that. You've got no headgears, but like when you, they don't, like when you're up close to a fight, you, it's, it's not as impressive as, as it looks on, you know, it's not, it's just, it's just, there's two guys in there trying to win a fight and that's it. It's not, you know, the, the glamour is kind of taken out. When you get there close, when you're that close or close in person, you're hearing the thuds and the sweats and the grunts and the, you know, it's, it is just two guys trying to punch, just trying to hurt each other. <laughs> that's it. How, how have you been, Yourself, Andy. And so I remember a few years back now, we've done that quick, but when we we had a we were working for Sky at the Copper Box and went for a bit of grub and we were chatting and different things. And you were, I think that's on you were training Paddy Donovan or you were about to and that. And I was gonna maybe train Joe's ward. I told you how that had gone and everything. And I, you, what you know, watching interviews, watching you doing bits with Joseph and out reading things. Because listen, let's face it, when we retire, a, a little part of us you know, dies a little bit, doesn't it? Even if we're ready and you seem like you're really alive again, that you've, you know what I mean? And you're, you're, you're loving what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is, it's like a, it's a second, second life, I guess. You know what I mean? It is. I, I, like, I, honestly, like, this is like, before Tyson went to Vegas, the night of, two nights before he came over to, we were staying in one of Tyson's houses and he came over and he just said that, like, he just called him randomly and he chat for three or four hours. That's how he is, you know? And he was like, he was, he was uh, almost, uh, I don't know, he was jealous of me because I've had a second, I've got a second career, you know? And he was just saying how lucky I am. And, and, and that, you know, somebody else saying it to me kind of made it realize, yeah, I am actually very lucky to, to have this kind of second, second thing. And like, it is, it's mad, it's mad, like, who knows which, where, where it'll go. Listen, I'm, this is my first real big big gig, and if it's success, success, everyone's going to be saying, "Oh, he's a new great coach." But if it's a failure, that's it. It's all. You know what I mean, it'll be very hard to come back, and that's that's the way it is. As a, you live and die on your results, and um, no one will want to hear about, "Oh, we only had eight weeks." Oh, it's blah blah blah. As like, it's all well and good being the the you know, the hardest new thing, but only if it goes well. Like if if Joseph loses the fight, then then he'd likely to go back to New Zealand. He's likely, who knows when he's going to fight again, what will happen, whether he'll retain me as a coach, who knows. Um, but if I, if Joseph wins the fight and looks good, then all of a sudden, oh, there's this new hot coach in boxing. So it's 
it's fickle, you know, and um, I don't, I, who knows, you know, who knows this way to go, you know what I mean? That's that's just the way it is, isn't it? You know, everyone has their day in the sun, like, for a while it was Ben Davidson, and then Adam Booth, Dave Caldwell, Shane Wiggins still doing well, like, all these coaches, you know, that, that are coming and going, and all of a sudden they're the hottest thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, fire's looking for a different coach, you know, so it's it's just... I don't, I don't know what way to take it, but I am very, I am, I am lucky to have it. My wife's not thanking me though for being away all these years, <laughs> weeks, but she didn't buy in for this one. You know, once I retired, um, but uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll try and set myself up in Dublin in the future. I think you know. Yeah. I mean, I you just described uh, the kind of, yeah, the almost quite arbitrary nature of it, really, because we all know that. Really odd things can happen in sport all the time. And um, it reminds me of, I remember seeing an interview with a golfer who went out and had a great round in the final round of the Open. I don't think he won, but he had a great round. And they're saying to him beforehand, oh, you must have felt amazing today when you got to the course. And he said, I went out to the practice ground and I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't hit the ball straight. So I just scrapped it after about five minutes. It was a fucking shambles. Um, and then he said, so how do you explain, how do you explain how you played? And he just said, well, this is how this is. You, you go out there, you do your best and whatever happens, happens. And and that, it just really made me laugh, the kind of, the that it could be that random. Because when you're, when you spend your life studying it like me, but but not doing it, um, you get this, I, I don't think it anymore, but you get this idea that everything's kind of military and precise and scientific. And it's just not, I mean, it's just not like that, is it? But the question I was going to ask is, do, do you both think that fighters are quite... Um, I don't know. Are they are they kind of quite easily led and blinded by by who is seen to be the next big thing or who is seen to be the the next kind of hot coach? Do, do some of them maybe not really research it all that much when it comes to deciding who they want to be their trainer? Do they just think, well, he trains him and he's really good and he's won a load of fights, so yeah, let's do that. That's basically how I got the job, Andy. <laughs> he rang Tyson and Tyson said, yeah, Landy well, trains me. He's good to go with him. So Joseph said, okay, <laughs> so you're right. Maybe your point is right. That wasn't what I was driving at. But, um, but um, <laughs> Macklin, does that make sense, what I said? Uh, well, well, as Andy said earlier, Ryan, he said fighters are always looking for an edge. And, and at a point when you're, you're, I don't know, you're pro seven, eight, nine, whatever many years, you know, the, 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 the rate of improvement or the little bits you can improve on are going to be minimal, but those little bits can make the difference, can be the difference between winning and losing as you go up the levels. I'm guessing someone like Josie Parker's obviously spoke to Tyson Fury. You know, you know, he trusts his opinion. He'll, he'll know who Andy Lee is, former world champion. And, you know, Andy's, I, me and Andy, our careers kind of ran parallel at times. I always, he always struck me as someone that was very analytical, very much a thinker. You know what I mean? And that can be a curse to us because I'm a thinker too. And I could be up all night thinking <laughs> instead of just relaxing and sleeping. But you know what I mean? It's, you, 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 if you've got someone that's going to train you, I, I would want someone, I'd, I'd like to know that they've covered all angles, that they, they, that they are analytical, that they've thought of every eventuality, that they, they know me, they know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, they know what we found. You know what I mean? Because all, we've all got strengths and weaknesses. And it's, and, it, and it's knowing what your fighters... It's as important to know what your fighter's not good at as it is to know what he's good at. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, in my opinion, there's no point trying to force something. If he can't do something, he, he, he might just not be good at that, you know. So let's box to his strengths and, and let's fight, fight in a style that protects 
his weaknesses or doesn't leave them exposed, you know, and try and make the game plan that way. But training a fighter and getting the right fit, it's a lot more than just your style and your, your technicality. Personalities come into it as well and being happy and comfortable and, and believing in your trainer and having the trainer believe in you. Because when you, if, you, if you've got faith in this trainer and, and he believes you, that makes you believe in yourself. And believing in yourself is probably the most under-talked about part of boxing. You know, it's, it, well, it, it's, I don't know if it's under-talked. It, it, you know, everyone talks about it, but, it, but it's, 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 it's absolutely essential. And, and, and having your trainer believe in you, that, that's key. One thing I've always kind of wondered about, Andy, when it, when it comes to coaching of any kind, really, is, is the, the division of time between the division of time spent between trying to strengthen weaknesses, um, which could come at the expense of kind of weakening strengths. Um, are you the kind of, how easy is it to look at someone and just see what they can't do as opposed to what they, what they can? Um, I don't know if I'm really making too much sense, but, but I, I remember talking to a football coach a while ago and he, he did say to me, you know, he felt that the mistake that some people made was they would look at a kid and just see what they couldn't do, spend all their time trying to strengthen weaknesses. And in the end, it eroded the skills that they did have and ended up weakening their strengths. That's actually quite an interesting point because maybe I've gone the wrong way about this. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, I think to go hand in hand, if you're strengthening a weakness, then you're making your fighter a better fighter, aren't you? You know, um, I think you can do both. Um, in terms of, yeah, I think I, I think to go hand. In, I think the, I don't know if there's a difference really, because if you're strengthening a weakness, if he like in boxing anyway, if he's if he carries his hands lower, if he doesn't step his feet a certain way, and you change that and he corrects it, then he's added a new strength. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's, that's a funny one, but I, I mean, there was, um, we always go back on our own personal experience, don't we, to, 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 to get an answer sometimes. But if I look back, when I went with Billy Graham, when I went with him, there were certain things that I definitely needed to add to my game, things he noticed from me and said, look, you're, very, you're a bit mechanical, you need a bit more rhythm, you, you, you know what I mean? You're too stiff, all, all these little things. And over six weeks, it was difficult to make those changes. I felt really uncomfortable changing my style, how I hold myself, my balance. It felt really uncomfortable. And I felt I felt shit even when I was hitting the pads and the brakes. I felt terrible and uh, inspiring. And I was trying to incorporate it into my style. And it was difficult. But over four years, I completely changed. But maybe to the extent that I, I did add a lot of things. My head movement, my bed up was better. My anticipation, covering the canvas with my feet cutting the ring off, all that sort of stuff. But I think I became too much that way over a period of time and, and actually neglected my long-range skills, my jab, things like this. Now, that wasn't something that he tried to do, but in focusing so much on areas that were my weaknesses, I think over a period of time, I neglected uh, other things that had worked so well for me up until that point, you know, so... I think it's what you focus on, isn't it? If, you, if you're trying to, pro, if you're focusing so much on a certain aspect, um, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so many. There's only so much change you can achieve in a session. You're in the gym an hour. 
you get in fitness, you get tired, you know what I mean? You do the same again and again. There's, yeah, it's a funny one because you, you, you do want to work on weaknesses. Of course you do, but you don't want to... You don't, want to, you don't want to completely neglect your strengths either because I don't think that they'll become a weakness, but you just maybe stop using them. Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways and have a ton of fun we're recruiting you we are the one stars which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like joey chestnut evander holyfield bobby hurley jenny finch ryan lochte montel jordan new guests every week compelling interviews that you want to hear check us out wherever you get podcasts one star recruits Yeah, I think I think that was that was that was kind of what I was I was um, I was driving at really. Um, just got a couple of questions, a couple more questions about the corner um, before we move on to just a, a bit of a chat about uh, about Katie Taylor's fight um, and a couple of other things. I'll take you back to when you were fighters. Now, when you sit on that stool in between rounds, and it's been a hard round, how much can you really even hear? let alone absorb from your trainer. I remember talking to Jim McDonnell when we went to see Jim in his garden, Matt, a while ago. Uh, and he said that he just firmly believes that the fighter will only remember or be able to take on board the last thing that he hears in the corner. Because you see, this is like, uh, this is truly an experience that, that, that non-boxers will never have. Like you sat on that stool and it's been rough. What, what is your mental capacity at that point? <laughs> Go ahead, man. Um, look, you know, every round's different. You know, have you had a good round? Have you have you been buzzed? Are you still it's, buzzed? It's been, it's, it's, it's been rough. It's been a difficult round. It's been hard. Yeah, look, I think the first, you know, the first 20 seconds, of that 60 seconds is just sitting down, getting calm, controlling your breath, getting your getting your drink of water. And then, yeah, there's no, there's no point the trainer bombarding you with loads of five or six different things. It's not going to go in. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, then, as you're coming to the end of that minute and you've had your drink and you've got your breathing kind of back in control, really, then that's when what whatever's said to you then, that's going to be the last thing that you remember. That's going to be at the forefront of your thoughts going out into the next round. So, yeah, there's, I think, what Jim said that day, I, I get what he's. I get. I definitely get where he's coming from. Yeah, I, I would agree. And some, like sometimes you're dealing with the fight. <clears throat> if it's been rough, you've obviously been hurt, um, and you, you know, you physically might not be feeling that well, and then you're worried about that, and then you're also worried about losing the fight, and you're also worried about people who you love are watching the fight and how they're feeling. So there is a lot going on, you know, and. There's a there's a whole load of things going on, and um, so it is a lot to handle when you're in that corner or when you're in the corner. So yeah, I, I I would say that I wouldn't you wouldn't say it's too far wrong. That's some last thing you hear that that really really matters. But you still have to go through the through the routine of telling them you know telling them what they're doing wrong or 
and not even you don't even have to focus on what they're doing wrong. Just tell them what they're doing right or how they can improve. You know. Um, but yeah, it is. It is. Every every round is different. Every fight is different. But when it's when you're under pressure and you're you're, you're soaking it up, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a you know it's a quick minute because you don't you want it to be a long minute, but it's a quick minute. It flies by and all of a sudden you're back out in the middle of it. You know, back out in the middle in the fire again. God, that's mad that you can be sitting there thinking about you know other people watching and then being worried about you losing and worried about losing the fight and all these things could just bombard you at once. I mean that that that's that's uh that's wild like uh how how the fuck are you supposed to get your head around that if you if, if you're if you're sat on a stool and and someone's trying to talk to you and you're trying to listen it's to them a, it's just an inner monologue you know you you've, if you've been hurt but you're walking back your legs are sore your legs are stiff your legs aren't under you you're walking back you're, okay get your legs together get your legs together get your legs together. okay sit down can you control your weight don't like and then like oh shit i'm losing the fight oh no shit man what am i gonna do uh, you know it's just is that's the way that's that's how it is that's how it is you know what i mean it's just you're in and then the sudden the swell of side pretty and they send you okay now okay to get your hands up get your breathing you know blah 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 they don't want you know and then the, all of a sudden the referee's over is he okay i'll give me one more round i'll give you one more round all right i'm okay i'm okay don't stop the fight i'm back at you know you're back at like that's basically it that's how it goes you know what i mean Oh, that's I mean, that, that's that, that's what you just told. This is what I was wanting to know. This is exactly what I was driving at. Is is this is is perfect? That that's yeah, chaos. Like sometimes yeah. it's, it must feel like chaos, and you've got someone else jerking your head around, telling you to keep still because they're clamping a cut and they're trying to get the adrenaline in, and you're jigging your head about, and there's all sort, and then you hear ten seconds, and then the stool comes out, you're back on your feet someone splashes a bit of water on you. I mean, it's just mental. You know, it looks to me like it is anyway. It just looks totally mental. Get out there. Get out and fight. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's, 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 it's absolute chaos. That's why the last thing you need is a cornerman that's panicking. Do you know what I mean? That's why if someone can be, you know, if you've got this panic or this chaos going on and you've got someone then that's very calm and brings you back down, it, it, do you know what I mean? That, that can, that's a very understated asset you know, to have, to, to, to bring someone back down and listen, don't forget all that. Just focus, relax, get back out there. And cause it, you know, all the stuff that you do in the ring, it happens instinctively 99% of it. Do you know what I mean? It's already ingrained into you. All the movements, all the combinations, the patterns of movements, they, they just happen instinctively. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's just getting back into a mental state, which is calm and relaxed that you, you can let that flow. Yeah, it's like, sometimes I've, I've, I, it reminds me almost of like, well, I'm, I'm not a big F1 fan, but it reminds me almost of like watching a pit stop. You've got this guy flying around the track and then all of a sudden off he nips, stops. There's this hive of activity. Everybody knows what they're doing, but it's 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 quick. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, the, the green sign goes around and off you go again. It's just, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, let's just have a quick chat about uh, about Katie Taylor and Tasha Jonas because that that's a you know it's a it's a great fight that and one that we have been waiting for really ever since Natasha turned pro one which looked like it was kind of dead when when she got beaten by by Vivian Obanalf and it's an interesting one this for me because I, I, what I often think when you've got a kind of a rivalry like that or you've got UK fighters British and Irish fighters is I kind of try and think what this would look like if 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 Natasha Jonas wasn't British and they hadn't fought in the Olympics. On paper, what you've got here is Katie Taylor, undisputed lightweight champion, 
taking on somebody who was drawn for a world title at the weight below. Now, when you describe it like that, it doesn't sound quite so good, but but I do make Jonas a live underdog in this fight. How about you two? British hype. British hype. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think Katie's a strong favourite, but, but I wouldn't completely write Tasha off because I did that before going into the Terry Harper fight. And she's never stopped going on about it. So, yeah, I can see. I, you, you've, you've weakened Macklin. You've, uh, you know, she's, she's got you on the run. She made me eat my words that night and, and she hasn't stopped reminding me about it since. So, you know, look, it's boxing. You know, it, it is boxing. Uh, Natasha is a good fighter. She's um, very competent, but I think Andy will agree with me. Katie Taylor's special, man. She's special. I, Katie is is a special, like an athlete, special box, special, special person. But Natasha's style... Um, that cover up and uh, like and catch and counter style. If Katie holds her feet and like does those three or four punches where she's like ah! and catch catches one, two, three, and then boom on the fourth one with a right hook. Don't forget she's a southpaw. And Katie, if Katie leads with her right hand, and even if, if she can time an attack and counter with the right hand hook at the same time, could could be a couple of from some problems in there. I think you know. I think um, I don't. With female fighting, they're like at this level, it's evenly matched, isn't it? You know, most of them are evenly matched, and the two round, two minute round, so they're gonna, it's gonna be fast paced, so there's not gonna be a lot of room to be strategic or to be methodical. It's gonna be a sprint, and um, sometimes I think Katie gets caught up in all of that. And if Natasha can, can time it, you know, like who knows which way, you know, she, I think it's because she might be able to catch Katie once, twice, three, four, like throughout the fight. But to be able to be consistent with it, to be able to beat Katie, I think it's, it's a big ask. But I do think it'll be interesting at some stages in the fight. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking in that kind of fight, I think three minute rounds would probably suit Jonas more um, for the for the reasons you just kind of outlined there. I, the way she boxed against Terry Harper was was yeah, I really really enjoyed it. I really kind of enjoyed that enjoyed that style and. And uh, if she could do what you just said there, then, then then it could be interesting because I think that is something that Katie Taylor does tend to do is is every now and again, but get a bit carried away with the with the kind of relentlessness of it um, because she can kind of overwhelm overwhelm fighters. Um, but there's no real sign, Matt, is there? Would you say that that she's 34 now, Katie, uh, been boxing for a really really long time under enormous pressure for for almost all of that. And that's not to be underestimated because the, the the mental toll of that is, well, it just has to take its toll at some point. But I wouldn't say there's any clear signs that she's she's kind of going down the other side of the hill. No, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, you never know, do you? Like I said, she's, she, she's not getting any younger, but she's she's such a clean liver, you know, and she's always stayed in shape. And, you know, there's longevity when you live like that. You know, when you burn a candle at both ends, obviously you don't, but... She, Katie Taylor's consummate professional, never ballooned up in weight, you know, nothing like that. So I, I, I think she's a fresh, she's fresh for her age and for the amount of fights she's had, I think that she's still quite fresh. So just finally, then, um, we can't let you go without talking a bit of a bit of fury, a bit of fury, Joshua. Uh, we're not going to talk about where the fight's going to be, when the fight's going to be, any of that kind of thing, because none of us know and... I think even Eddie's beginning to run out of kind of placeholding material, if you like. He's he's really good at kind of announcing 
having a pre-announcement for a pre-announcement for an announcement and making it sound like an announcement. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's the master at it. But um, I, I think Tyson's over in Vegas at the minute. Um, it, it's either kind of, I mean, it, it kind of seems to me, Andy, that, that he's the kind of character who will cope with this sort of uncertainty of when it'll be, where it'll be, will it even happen pretty, pretty well. Because that, I mean, that could become a thing. You know, mentally that could get quite quite draining. You're expecting this to happen and so you start camping, but have you really started? No one really knows. Is that something he'll just he'll he'll take in his stride easily enough? He's constantly training anyway. Um I don't think he like going into camp is just I think I don't it's no different from the way he lives his life day to day, really. It's just the fact that he removed himself from his family. I think going to Vegas has been good for him to get a break mentally as much as he's not getting a break physically, but mentally to just get a change of scenery and do different things um, because he'd been in Markham for over a year since the, the Wilder 2 fight. Um, I think I think he's fairly frustrated, to be honest with you. Um, not to give anything away. I think he's I think he's expressed that. He's fairly frustrated with um, things that, like, you know, the deadlines that were supposed to be met and keep looking for extensions and X, Y, and Z, but I, I know he just he just really wants to get the fight on. Um, and there's always there's like you know yourself all these promises until you got something in Matthew's head, like until you get something in paper, and even then, until you're like in at the week of the fight and you're in the venue and kind of thing, and even, and even then, until you're on the scale, you know what I mean? It's like a lot can happen in this, you know, you're never really certain. So he's had a lot of this in his throughout his career, promises, and you know trying to get the first critical trying to get the physical fight initially years of waiting for it and so he's had some experience with this but it is frustrating I think for him yeah Matt that's it, it's got to be um yeah it must be frustrating and it's Joshua's always in 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 pretty good shape from from what we can tell so going into camp for him I guess it's similar it's not it, maybe it's not that big a deal but at the same time he does tend to like to have a long lead time. Um, fourteen week camps. It, maybe it's more of a maybe it's more of a problem for him than than Tyson. Kind of not knowing when this is going to when this is going to happen. The longer this goes on. Yeah, look, I think you know you got you got to be careful about overtraining. But you know that, that sometimes you know you can take a few days off and you can be a bit fresh again with rest. But emotionally and mentally you can burn out as well. You can go stale. So I think look, the fact that Tyson's gone over there to Vegas, freshen things up, change the scenery, you know, when he does come back then to Morecam, if that's where he's going to do the bulk of his training, you know, it won't feel like he's already been there for so long training, going to the same gym every day. It gets, you know, training for a fight, it can be monotonous and boring. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you're going over the same things. You, you're drilling, you know, they call it drills because you're drilling it in. You know what I mean? So, and, and you're physically getting fit. But look, he's the heavyweights. They ain't got to worry particularly about making weight. Although, you know, I'm sure he has an optimum fighting weight where he wants to be. But me- I think mentally and emotionally, and that's the, I think that'll be the key for this fight. For both of them, not, not to get not to, to start too soon. Not to kind of crank up the, the, the training too soon and, and, and get to a place where you're kind of, you're a few weeks out from the fight and you're kind of sick of training. Do you know what I mean? You want to be, you want to be building to that peak. You don't want to be getting a few weeks out from the fight and thinking, fuck, I'm sick of this now. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that's... The thing is with Tyson, he absolutely loves training. Like he's, 
he's it's like a he's obsessed like he's just like I don't know he's a fanatic like he's like a he's like some sort of psychosis where he just has to train all the time and like no fight nothing nothing in like the pipeline back in February training like a maniac like you know pushing himself <laughs> like but like I said to him Tyson why are you doing this for you know like I was trying to eat he said Andy this is where I have to this is where I like to get myself like I like to get myself in this place because I know I can keep fighting when I'm tired and like this was after 17 rounds and he's just still drilling and drilling and drilling I'm saying Tyson just come on and he's like no Andy I need to keep pushing keep pushing like he's he's absolute like and, that, and that's when you see him that's where you know where he is why he is and where he is where he is you know because he's just but he also knows himself doesn't he and Andy so he'll know where to take a day or two off as well I guess yeah, but he is. It is. It, is, it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. Um, overtraining. He's very. He is. He is very aware of it because it's happened to him in the past. Um, he. He. She. Like. So he. He has to be careful. He does have to be careful. But it's. It's a balance because I think a lot of the training is is for to keep him on the level. You know, mentally he he has to train and likes to train. But then you got to counteract that with staying fresh and not being over overdoing it. But that's surely somewhere where you would really come in because you, you can see, you know, when, when you're in it yourself, sometimes you, you know, you know what I mean. When you've got a fight coming up, I know myself. I've been training for a fight, and I know about overtraining. But sometimes when I'm in that zone, I still want to do more, 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 more. Where you need someone who knows you, knows the game. Go, nah, nah, that'll do you. Take a day off. Sugar Hill's very good at like Sugar Hill is very good at that. Um... But he's he's sometimes he can't like you said he, he can't help himself he just has to keep pushing he wants to keep pushing um, like he took the he took he's in Vegas he took the lads up Badu Jack a couple of the Mexican guys um, what's those Jesse Mandelano took him up this hill in Vegas a mountain up in Vegas what's it called anyway Charleston yeah seven miles up all of them quit Tyson did seven miles and like was at the front all of them quit he said like he said Andy are these guys they want to be champions and they're quitting on they're quitting on me. All these like featherweights and they're quitting up the hill. That's how hard he pushes. You know what I mean? Here he is, whatever he is, two seventy pounds. He's going up. Like, that's how he is. He's just it's everything's a competition to him. Everything is a competition. He has to be the best. He has to win everything, and that's why he is the champion of the world. I guess. Yeah, I always loved that. I always loved the um, the sauna story with him and Vladimir Klitschko. <laughs> unbelievable! It was unlike like no one could stick that heat. <laughs> He did it. He did all right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it was it was a while, wasn't it? He was over there for a training camp. It was a while before. Uh, before... I love the psychology of that, though. Yeah. 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 He's always like everything's a competition. Like if I do, you know, if I'm doing if I do press ups, oh come on, how many can you do X Y? No. If I can do, I'm doing chin ups. Oh yeah. I come on. How many are you doing, Andy? I'll do. No. He'd try, and he'd have to beat me. I have to. Beat and like, uh, it's funny. That's just how he is, yeah. So something quite strange has happened here because it's just popped up on my screen. It says Adam's iPhone six has entered the waiting room now. Adam, Adam's iPhone six is um, that's Adam Booth, I'm pretty sure. So just, just get him in. Get let's him hang in. around, fellas. I'm just I'm going to admit him now and see and see what his game is. I don't know who he thinks he is. Interrupting <laughs> this, interrupting this private, this private this chat. He's connecting Zoom. now. I think it's a pocket call. I think it must be a pocket it's call. It's not a pocket no, no, call. Not a pocket call. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. How has this happened? <laughs> Adam Booth. Adam Booth has joined us. That's it. This has never happened on Macklin's Take before that we've had a star <laughs> mystery <laughs> guest unknown <laughs> even to me. I crashed it. <laughs> I, decode, I decoded the entry to Macklin's Take. 
<laughs> That's very, very clever. How are you doing? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I can't wait to see uh, Joe Parker on Saturday now that Andy's training him. I'm, I'm really excited about that. That's why I've jumped on the call. Plus the fact that I'm locked in my COVID testing room at the moment. So I've got 24 hours to kill. Of course, yeah, with Mike, yeah, with Michael, Michael's fight, Michael's fight. So we've been talking about, we've been talking training, we've been talking. I've been grilling these two about about the corner in between rounds, um, and what goes on there, and how you manage to get your message across to a fighter amidst all the chaos. Um, and they've given me some interesting, some interesting answers. Uh, and one thing I, I put to them was something that Jim McDonald said to me a while ago. Said to me about a while ago, which was that. The only thing the fighter will really remember is the last thing you tell them. You're pretty sparing with with what you what you tell your your fighters in between rounds, or at least it seems like you are. Because I mean, we can't usually hear it because you're you're whispering it in the ear. But do you would you agree with Jim there? Do you think the last thing you say is is pretty much you know the only thing they'll be able to take on board? Well, I will I will make a confession as well. You know the boom mic that the the fell at the sound guy lobs over your head. Yeah, to come into the corner, right? And, and normally you never see it, but now I always expect it. So if I can, if I get an opportunity, just before, as they sit down, just before I take the gum shield out, I swipe my arm above my head. So if the boom mic's there, I've knocked it out of the way so they can't hear. That's Clever. what I, that, that's what I normally do. Um, but but like but like what you say in the corner should absolutely reflect what you've said in the gym hundreds of times, because it's what you do in the gym that you use on fight night. And so you just use the same commands. Obviously you've got you know, there's the fight scenario and the stresses and the, and the adrenaline and, you know, the fight could be hurt, could be tired. So you've all, that's the first factor. Just make sure that they're breathing and drinking and calm. They, they have that mental rest. And once they've had the mental rest, just tell them one, maybe two things. That's why I'm interested to see Andy on Saturday night. Cause I think that I, I think Andy's knowledge and character combined um uh, will make him an, a really excellent coach i really do well actually one one, one thing he was we, we were talking about as well was the the fact that you know there's there's, there's two aspects to training or, or more than that most likely but one is the gym and the other is fight night and you're never really totally sure what you're going to be like in the corner when it when it gets when the shit starts flying until it happens to you um, was was it, was it like that for you, as a coach? Yeah, well, the first time you found yourself in the corner on the night with David, say, and it wasn't all going your way, and you think, "Fuck, what do I, what, what am I going to do now?" It, well, is yeah. is it that kind of experience? Mm, I would no, I wouldn't say. You know, it's not it's not like that. When you're in it, you're in it, and there's you know, you know, people get hurt. You help bring them back round. Why? Why? I think I have um, accepted a long time ago is that when you walk to a fight, anything can happen. Absolutely anything. And as long as you're in that, in that sort of emotional space and mental space where you're just prepared to accept anything that's going to happen, um, it gives you a better, it gives you a better sort of a better grounding to be able to read the fight and say what you need to say without reacting emotionally to what might happen because just like a like a fighter a fighter has to be prepared for anything that's going to happen so a coach has to be likewise including defeat including any 
potential outcome. But, but no, because when you're in the fight, you know, when you're in the fight and you're coaching someone in a fight, you're not thinking about the end. You're thinking about the now. That's all you're thinking about is the now. And even if a fight has been dropped or hurt, you're still thinking about the now and how to get back from that. And you never switch that off. So you, you never, the thought, for me, honestly, the thought of victory and defeat never comes into my mind during the course of a fight. It's about doing what's got to be done. So, Andy, from your point of view, when when you look at the, I mean, you had Emmanuel Stewart and, and Adam Booth, and you've been around other trainers, of course. It, do you try and take, do you try and take bits from them, from other people, or just try and figure it out for yourself, do it your own way? No, uh, of course I do. I lean heavily on on their influence and. Um, but both in different ways because Emmanuel um, was so such a part of my formative years that it's it's like it's like the influence of a dad or of a you know of a parent or a brother because you no know, you find yourself doing things that they did or saying things that your dad says just because you've been around him so much. But with Adam, um, even now I'll ring Adam. Even now, like I'll text Adam and ask him a question about boxing and. Even as you've seen the little answers to this quest, few questions there, it's always an education. And he's, he can verbalize it better than anything that me and Matthew just said, I, I think. Even though he said the exact same thing, he just said it in the most precise way. And uh, it no, got there quicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, no, um, I definitely, obviously, lean on Adam a lot and the techniques he showed me and um, the, even like the physical drills and the circuits. And, I keep sending these videos of the guys doing the circuits that Adam showed me and uh, just tell them how much they love them. <laughs> As I said, I, said to, I did an interview with Rob, uh, Rob from Boxing Social, but I said, these guys are just getting the water down Adam Booth, and that's the truth. <laughs> so, so, Adam, did you always think that, that, that this would be the path that Andy would take? Because I remember me and Matt talking to him um, really early when we started doing this, so it would have been kind of like March 2019, and... He was thinking about it. They both were. I think Matt had come close with with Joe Ward and they were both kind of weighing it up and thinking, yeah, I could see myself doing it, but it would need to be the right kind of person. It's a massive commitment. Not really sure after a life training and fighting, I really want to I really want to go back to that. I mean, did you think he would? Um, I don't know. It wasn't necessarily something that we didn't really talk about it. And I, and I think he was once his career as a fighter was over, he was just sort of content that he had, had achieved, you know, what he wanted to as a fighter and, and sort of as a man and, and to sort of make his security. But then obviously you're a long time retired, aren't you? A lot, certainly a lot longer than you are fighting. But you never know if someone, because, because being a coach is ahead of a commitment. You, you commit the same amount of time as the fighter. And, it can be the most unrewarding, unappreciated role going. Certainly, you know, undervalued in terms of how the business views a coach. But in, in Paddy Donovan, he's got, he's definitely got, genuinely got a world-class prospect there. And that in itself is enough to give you the enthusiasm to get to the gym and want to be there. And if, and if, if he's still, if, if Andy has got, like those happy steps when he goes to the gym that he's enjoying what he's doing, he, he will be an absolutely formidable coach. He really will. 
because, like I said, he's got the knowledge. I, Andy, Andy says, Andy says that he he learns stuff from me. You must never underestimate how much coaches learn from the fighters and must always learn from the fighters that they work with. And I I learned a hell of a lot from Andy, not just from Andy because of Andy, but also the things that he learned from Emmanuel Stewart as well. And and so my relationship with Andy was satisfying in so many senses because I wasn't just his coach. It was definitely a two-way stream of of um of knowledge. So don't let him play that play that down in any sense. Matt, you're nodding your head there. That that's 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 something you found, was it, when you were when you were fighting that uh, I remember you talk about when you when you teamed up with Joe Gallagher and you, and you joked with Joe that um, well, I mean, it, you were kind of half joking, really, um, that um, that you put him on the map, that you put him on the map. But you, you can't coach and fighter can collide sometimes, can't they? When they're they're sort of on the same in the same place in in their in their upward trajectory, and, and you're bound to learn things from from each other. It's not always a strict mentor pupil type relationship, maybe. Not exactly. Look, I, you know, I joked when I when. I, I said it in jest and I said I put him on the map. But but that that period of time, me beating Alcott back to back, and then um, you know, Crawler as well coming, it, it, it kind of established Joe on, on a level. But Joe certainly, you know, he fired back at me again in jest. But he did get the best out of me when a lot of sort, sort of big name trainers hadn't, and Joe did. So um it, it, it is a it's a it's look. It's a special bond, I think, when you when you train with, with somebody. If you, if, you, if you get it right, if you get it right, obviously Andy and Adam got it right. That, that was a good bond there, and they're still friends today. Um, but yeah, look, you got you know Adam Booth, a very experienced trainer, but you got Andy Lee, who's an experienced fighter and a successful fighter at the highest level, and has been around Manny Stewart, who's trained X amount of world champions. So there's naturally going to be an exchange of experience and knowledge and ways of doing things and an outlook and how they see boxing, how they see training and preparation for a fight. So that, that that's just a given, I think. If you get two analytical people, when I, like we said, Andy's a thinker. Adam's obviously a thinker. He's analytical. He's got, you know, he, he thinks he doesn't necessarily just swallow salad. There's critical thinking there. He's taking it in. Do I agree with that? Or is there another way of doing it? You know, that's going on. So you've got two people that think like that, sharing information. It's only going to have a positive result. So, Andy, do you, it's, it's, I mean, it's early days in, in your training career, but um, I mean, I guess there's a good chance. There's got to be a good chance, hasn't there? That, that at some point down the road, it will be A. Lee in one corner, A. Booth in, in, in the opposite corner. That I mean, that's probably going to happen, you'd think, if, 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 if you're both staying it together long enough. Funny, you know. well, what we do, Adam, if that, ha- that happens, I don't. I, I don't think it will. If I'm honest, yeah, I don't think it will. You know, you know, um, you know, my um, well, I've, I've said that I don't necessarily want to coach for too much longer. Um, but if you've got, you know, a super bantamweight or a featherweight that's world ranked, it could happen. What if I get Isaac Lowe against Michael Conlon? That'd be funny. <laughs> The two That'd be gypsies. Great. <laughs> That'd be great. I'll be all over that. Well, I'll say this as well. Adam, Adam Booth planning his exit strategy there. Adam, it doesn't happen. Every once boxing gets you, you never get out. That's it. You're done. You're not. You're not escaping it. Look, I, I was hoping no one would call me on that because what I'm saying now, I've been saying for the last six years. 
then you know but but it, I, I, honestly i have I've, I've i've had enough of coaching constantly over the last maybe longer than six years um and then all of a sudden andy lee came along and it was andy lee's career and then i thought oh, hey, okay well, well once andy's done then i'll i'll definitely go off and do something different then ryan Burnett comes along as like, all right once ryan this so scenario you never know you can never say never it's just it's just this constant state of denial and and uh, Adam some more for the Irish people and then I think uh, <laughs> St. Patrick himself he's, he's <laughs> a, a two world champions from Ireland and he's going to have a third hopefully in Michael Conlon Did you still enjoy it as much as you ever did Adam? <clears throat> um, it's, it's about the people you spend your time with I'm, I'm not interested in just coaching fighters I'm, I'm, like I've said I've got to have belief in them as people as well it's, and, and I'm lucky that I'm in the position where I feel like I can pick and choose like that. But um, but the people I work with, I enjoy. My, I'm going to talk about Andy again because I think you're letting him off the hook a little bit too much. My my relationship with Andy was was definitely a unique one that I re, that, you know I will always look back fondly of. And, and like even the times when it didn't feel, I remember I remember when Andy dropped that. No, it was before Andy dropped down to fight John Jackson at light middleweight which was in the May, I think. We stood at the start of the year in my kitchen. I remember the conversation where it wasn't going, the career wasn't going anywhere. There was no opportunity. He was a big punching southpaw that had already lost for a world title. So there was, all the strikes were against him because it was too much of a risk and not enough of a gain for people to fight. So we said, well, let's, let's try and go down to light middleweight and see if that opens up opportunities in two categories. We beat John Jackson stunningly then nothing happened again. It was like, really? That's all happened, all that. And all of a sudden, the yin and the yang lined up. I made a couple of calls, and he ended up with the Matt Korobov world title fight. And to say, you know, to say that was probably his last opportunity would be the truth. But that, so that made that win even more pressured and even more, more special. But in, in, but thanks for calling me out on the bullshit there, Matt. But. Uh, you're never out. No, Matt Macklin's convinced that, that that the only way people eat boxing is in is in a coffin. Uh, Eddie Eddie said the same thing to him. Oh, I might not be in it that much longer. He basically just said, yeah, exactly. He just called it bullshit. Uh, practically <laughs> said the same thing to Bob Arum, even though Bob Arum hadn't even suggested that he does one out of boxing. Um, <laughs> but um, what, whilst I've got you all here, just keen to ask you about Eubank Junior because um, he just came into my head when you mentioned Matt Vekorobov there. Um, where is he in his career, would you say? And I'll start with you, because did you not see him in the Las Vegas gyms or in the gyms in the USA when he was young and he'd been sent over there by his, by his dad to work with, you know, like Mike McCallum, and he ended up kind of working with the, with the Mayweathers. So you saw him when he... Am I right in that? You saw him when he was, he was young and really, really raw. 2006, it was a top-ranked gym, and um, I took notice of him. Obviously, uh, I just heard a commotion. We were doing pads in the ring and I heard a commotion. There was two guys in the ring getting in, like took the headgears off and taking the gloves off and still trying to fight each other in a spa. And it was him. So he, he is, he like, I, I always kind of thought, yeah, he's like, he's not the son of a fighter. You know, these typical guys who come along who are just doing it because it's an easy option for them. Mm. He was actually over there in America fighting and uh, in the gym and, and <clears throat> learning his trade and, and, and you know, 
fact that he wasn't no punk, that he didn't let this guy take a liberty with him. Uh, so that, well, at the moment, I don't know where he is. I don't, I haven't really taken too much interest in his career in a while. Um, I don't know. He's fight, you know, he's signed with Sarah Lins, he's fighting Mark Morrison. I don't know much about Mark Morrison, to be honest with you. Um, ability, ability wise, though, do you think he's, is he, because he's not won a world title yet, do you think he, do you think he will? Don't you know he's IBO world champion? I was aware of that, but um, I, I don't count that as a, as a as a world title. I hope James Tennyson and Mark Donlop don't hear this, and Eddie, actually, and it's Sky, not, and anyone, really. I don't know. I think he's, I think he's, a, he's a good, he's a, he's a, like, he could be dangerous, and he's making the entertaining fights with the right style, but um, has he got ambitions of fighting the top guys? I think, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure where he is, really. Adam, did he... Did he train? Did he train very briefly with you at one point? Yeah, we did two fights together. Um, uh, uh, Summit Jetta and then Spike O'Sullivan. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I remember those two. I remember the Spike O'Sullivan fight anyway. Yeah. I mean, if 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 he's healthy, fit, and ambitious, he's a handful for anyone. And if you let him in, he'll let his punches go. Um, I think, what weight is he now? Middle or super middle? He's back down at middle now. Middle, okay. I mean, if you saw how Liam Williams um, managed to expose certain things in Andrade the other week, where, you know, once he once Andrade couldn't get rid of him, Liam Williams really tested Andrade's desire to be in there. And I thought Andrade kind of got away with it a little bit. Um, and, and with the energy that Eubank Jr. can put on people... I think that's a that's a very winnable fight, winnable fight for him. Matt, what, what do you make? What, what do you make of um, what do you make of of where he is, and 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 also kind of how how he's gone about his career? I find that sort of fairly fascinating. He's got he's got dad there, who obviously has been there and seen and done it all, and he's made some interesting he's made some interesting moves. He's now signed with with Sauerland, and although he hasn't got that world title, he has made a lot of money out of boxing. I mean, you all want a world title when you when you start, but you also, you know, it's called prize fighting for a reason. You want to make some money, and he's definitely done that. Yeah, look, I think Adam meant the key word Adam said there that I, I would associate with Eubank Jr., his energy, you know, and stamina. You know, he's a handful. He's got a good chin. I think he's he's got desire, toughness. That He's got all the physical attributes, I think he struggles a little bit, maybe at long range boxing, a little bit. You know, Billy Joe kind of early doors, you know, and this is Billy Joe's a brilliant boxer, so maybe that's not a fair uh, comparison. But you know, if you if you can if you stand with it, I think you know at middleweight, I give him a chance with anyone. You know, um, is he good enough at long range to 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 get to Andrade? Maybe not in the first six, but possibly in the second half, if he, he'll. I think he's been prepared to take one to give one, or maybe take a few to give one and get close and force the pace. I think that's how he beats somebody like Andrade. He's not going to outbox him, but certainly he's a, he's a physical specimen. I think he's got the definitely will to win. Great, great energy, great stamina. I think they're his big, big assets. Adam, with your manager's hat on, um, I mentioned the way the way his career has been navigated and people do point it in and say well he hasn't won a world title uh, but he has made a lot of money I mean as a the two things usually go together or 
yeah, not always, but usually, usually one comes after the other. You win a world title and then you make some defences and hopefully that's where you really manage to to cash in. But a manager's job is to get the best possible return for, for the fighter, isn't it, financially? And on that front, they've done a pretty a pretty bang up job. Yeah, and they've and they've done it they've done it in a way where they didn't try and make friends with anyone. You know, they didn't they didn't necessarily kiss ass to get favours. And so the way they did it was probably the hardest way to be successful in ter- in, in in terms of a business sense. And and so, you know, his his dad um has a big influence and his dad proved that he was stubborn and resilient and and had his own way of doing it with his career. And uh, he kind of did that. He's done it with his son. So yeah, if, if, if you know, made money. I think the um, I think the World Boxing Super Series was a real gift for a lot of fighters financially because it it, it came along and it kind of injected almost a false economy for a brief brief period of time. So fighters were making excellent money off the Super Series. But the fact is that he was in position to accept the place in the Super Series when it came along, that he didn't, he hadn't signed an exclusive promotional agreement that restricted his entry. So, yeah, they've done, I mean, you can only, you can only judge it when it's all said and done, can't you? And and in terms of earning money, they, they've proved that they've led in the right way. Yeah, the World Boxing Super Series was, was uh, as you say, it, it, it was the gift that just kept on giving for a couple of seasons anyway. And, and in terms of the fights and the quality of the fights and the excitement that, that they provided, it was, it was tremendous and be interesting to see if that is going to keep going um, with Sal and teaming up with Wasserman. Although I know that WBSS was always kind of separate from Sal and it was under a different sort of entity. There's all sorts of interesting things going on on the kind of TV and promotional front at the minute, which uh which people will be wondering why me and Macklin haven't talked about this yet, but we can't really. There's just nothing. There's just nothing to. There's nothing official that we can that we can say about it in um, in due course. We, you know, we will we will have some comments to make. I'd imagine, but um, yeah, it's are important. you guys the new zone commentating team? Or no? Yes or no? No. There's been no official. <laughs> I, I I don't even know what you're talking about, Andy, because there haven't been you know there haven't been any official announcements. Um, interesting times, interesting times. Um, so before I let you go, uh, we'll extend, we've extended this one a bit because we had our mystery guest pop up and <laughs> I suspect, I suspect that Andy Lee has something to do with that. I saw him fiddling with his phone at one point, um, because, you know, cracking into the, the Macklin's take zoom call with our respective it backgrounds, um, is, is very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult because we are as savvy as you can imagine on that front. Um, it, we, it's impenetrable to hackers. Uh, let, let's get your thoughts, Adam, on the fight that Andy's involved with on Saturday, Derek Tidore against against Joseph Parker. And this is kind of, I, I would say, this is kind of a, this is a must win for for both of them. I certainly think it's a must win for, for Joseph because he's been treading water really Um for a while now and you could argue he hasn't beaten a fighter from in or around the top 15 uh since maybe Huey Fury Junior, Junior Farr I know was 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 well ranked but most people didn't know didn't know who he was so I absolutely uh, think he really does need to win I'm slightly reluctant to say it's a must win for Chisora because he's lost plenty of fights and <laughs> and um he still seems to get another big one how, how do you look at it 
I think Derek Derek has proved that maybe in the heavyweight division at the moment there is no such thing as a must win fight. Um, Derek's, I've, you know, I, obviously I've studied Derek a lot over the years and know him. Um, I think yeah, I think Derek's going to try and use his energy early to gain a foothold in the fight. Uh, I'm not sure that Derek's engine is there anymore. So I think that Derek will certainly, no, Derek can tuck his head down and swing those heavy shots with anyone. Um, and sometimes, like, he'll give you an opening, but it's dangerous to, touch or to try and take the opening in the early rounds because he swings so, you know, so freely. Um, so I think that Derek's going to try and start fast and unsettle Joseph. Um, but if Joseph stays composed in the early rounds, he'll certainly get, he could certainly get to grips with the fight. Um, slight, I, th I think probably slightly before the halfway mark, but Derek will be dangerous early. In terms of being a must win, can't say that about Derek, maybe for Joseph because he's not from the UK. You know, maybe, but then again, he's such an entertaining character. You know, when you look at all the stuff he's done on social media, you could see him becoming a real popular fighter in the UK. Um, so who knows? Don't say must win, but it is a, it's a, it's a, certainly an intriguing matchup. Yeah, he's, 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 he's locked down. Videos, Joe, <clears throat> the Joseph Parker, absolutely tremendous. So, so final question, I've, I've saved the most important one for last. Andy, how, how is the corner kit shaping up? Because I've been very impressed by the, uh, by the kind of doctor's jackets that, that you've had in the corner, that you've certainly had in the corner a few times for your fight so far. I'm all over them. Uh, I think a bit of classic corner kit is absolutely the way forward. Um, and I'd very much to be hoping we'll see, we'll see some more of that well, on Saturday. Proper throwback stuff, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, nice it, looks, it looks like John Boy out of the champs. <laughs> <laughs> I lost you there for a second. Uh, no, I think we're just going basic t-shirt this time. Couldn't get any uh, nurses' um, coats or what they what, what they actually are is a nurses' uh, coat, and with plenty of pockets. I get the name embroidered on the back. Looks the part. <laughs> well, I'm disappointed. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, uh, you know, it's been quite short notice, I suppose. So and, uh, may maybe Joseph's more of a more of a T-shirt kind of a guy with, with, with the corner wear, the corner wear. I mean, well, a lot of people don't... It's not don't... about me. It's not about anything else but winning the fight. That's yeah, I know. I know. And that's that's obviously what you have to concentrate on. But but um, but for me, the corner kit really is important. Uh, <laughs> I don't have nearly as serious a role in this whole enterprise as you do. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, enough of my nonsense. So uh, we will we will wind it up there. This has been uh, this has been great fun, Andy. Thanks for your time. You played it. You spared us plenty of it. And and Adam, thanks very much for your for your unexpected the guest appearance. So the reason why the reason why I'm actually here is that I was trying to FaceTime Andy because I was sitting with Mick. So I was trying to FaceTime Andy, didn't get through, and then Andy sent me a message saying, "He uh, sent me a screenshot of you." So I could, I obviously knew he was on Macklin's tape. Right, so right. I said to Andy, oh, I'll, I'll jump in as a guest. And that, it was only a joke. And then he sent me the link. <laughs> no, absolutely perfect. It's worked out ideally. It's worked out ideally. I can imagine him sending the screenshot of, of me. We'll, we'll come to, you know, with a, a, a caption along the lines of, I'm on Macklin's take again. Um, 
with this fucking guy again. It's just like yeah, he was pretending he's read all those books. <laughs> yeah, uh, he said, I think Al Al worshipping clown is what you said. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. I've been cool worse than that. That's absolutely fine. Al worshipping clown. That's I'm not joking. so bad. <laughs> okay, chaps. Anyway, I better. I, I will let you go. I will let you go. Thanks very much. It's Thank been great. Um, thanks for having me on, Matt. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Uh, thanks, Adam. Best yeah. of luck. Best of luck on the weekend with the fights you're, you're both in. You're both involved in. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We might have one more this week. Not absolutely sure yet. Um, we will let you know on that front. But thanks, thanks for tuning in as always. If you can get over to the YouTube channel uh, when you've got the opportunity, that would be great. And help us out by clicking subscribe. Um, that's building nicely. And we'll catch you again soon. Boys on the right, babe. Not that Maggie. Back in town. I said, Jenny Diver. Whoa, Sookie Tawdry. Look out to Miss Lottie Lynch. And old Lucy Brown. Yes, that light boys on the right, babe. Not that Maggie's back in town. Look out, old Maggie's back. Podcast Network. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.